Do you ever feel a bit intimidated or overwhelmed when you find yourself thinking about legal when it comes to your lash business? You're working so hard to build your dreams and achieve your goals, and those shouldn't go down the drain simply because you didn't know how to protect what matters most to you. I'm your host, attorney and friend of the lash industry, Tamson Horton, and together we'll learn how to protect what matters most when it comes to your lash business so you can confidently take your business to the next level and beyond with simple, easy to understand and action you can take today. You will never feel intimidated or overwhelmed by legal anymore. Welcome to part three of our four-part trademark and branding series, and today we're diving in on the when. How do you know when you need to legally secure your name? There is not a black and white answer to this, but I'm going to give you very firm guidelines so that you'll be able to know the answer for yourself because everybody listening to this episode will have a different result. And ultimately, it doesn't matter what anyone else's decision is about whether they need to legally protect their brand name. It involves you and your brand name. So as we're diving into what is part three of the S4 branding system, which is how to brand like a lawyer, the lawyers are the ones at the end of the day that make sure everything you're working so hard to build is protected and that you don't have to start over from scratch and someone else can't take it and if they do that there are consequences. So a quick recap on our four parts. The first part is silence. How keeping your idea to yourself as you are laying the foundation really does set you up for branding success. The second step involves searching tracing those digital breadcrumbs and seeing how noisy the world is on the name that you want to use. Or do you have a strong silent name? If you have missed either one of those episodes, you can catch up on them because they are the episode on silence and the episode on searching. Today, we're all about securing. And what do I really mean by securing a trademark, securing your brand? Well, this has to do with whether or not, first and foremost, you need legal security for your trademark. You see, not all brand identifiers are going to need formal legal protection, and some marks won't even be able to get formal legal protection. That is not always or necessarily a bad thing or a negative consequence. So when we're talking about trademarks, when we're talking about brand identifiers, the purpose of a trademark is to identify and distinguish your brand or the source of your goods and services for consumers in the marketplace. So the first thing that you have to decide is does this, and typically it's going to be a word, sometimes it will be a symbol. Symbol meaning the Nike swoosh, the Ralph Lauren polo. Those are protected visual images different than a name or a tagline. 
But brand identifiers also have to do with sounds. Think about the sound that if you have a Mac, your computer makes when you open it or when you're shutting it down. Colors, think Home Depot orange, UPS brown, Tiffany blue. Smells are also incorporated as part of that. So when we're talking it about brand identifiers, it does encompass more than just words, but for the ease and purpose of talking about your lash business, we're going to focus in on your brand name because for most of us, that is the most common trademark that you will have as you are building your business. So first, the question you want to ask yourself, and I do have a bonus trademark guide. So if you go to lashinglegally.com and you sign up for the masterclass, there is a bonus trademark guide that has these really easy to follow um, decision tree flowcharts on it so that you can actually get a pen and paper out and follow the path to your answer. But the question that we always start with is, does this brand name distinguish and identify your brand in the lash marketplace? If the answer is no, then you're not ready, okay? You are not ready for formal trademark registration. You either need to keep working or you're not quite clear. There could be a variety of factors, but if your name is not identifying and distinguishing your brand in the lash marketplace, you're not ready for to move forward. On the other hand, if you answered yes, absolutely, this name is identifying me, it's distinguishing me in the lash marketplace, then the next question that you ask yourself is, is this name the final version of what I want to use to build my business around? Meaning, and this is metaphorically speaking, are you ready to tattoo this name onto your forehead? If the answer is no, you're not in the final version, you're not ready to move forward with formal legal registration because you can't modify a trademark. You can apply for a new one, but you need it to be in its final complete format. And that means singular, if your name is singular, but sometimes you use a plural spelling and sometimes you go to a singular, that is a difference, okay? That is a big difference in the law. So when you have that final version, meaning I know I can tattoo this on my forehead, similar to, and we've used the metaphor of my children before when we talk about trademarks, I have two children. Their names are Kip and Tad. I could tattoo those names on my body because they're my only children. I'm not having any more and their names are not changing. So it is absolutely required that it's in its final version. Now, if you say, yes, this is totally positively, I would tattoo this name on my forehead, Tamsin. Now, what do I need to know? Well, then I would ask you, if you had to stop using this name, would it be detrimental to your business? And you think about it for a minute and you're like, well, no, not really. Okay, then you're not ready for formal legal protection. If on the other hand, you said at yes, like this would cost me serious money. It would mean the last three years that I've been working on this would have been for nothing. Like, yes, there would be seriously bad stuff that 
I don't want to deal with. I'd say, perfect. And keep moving, keep moving forward on some questions for you. I would ask you, if a competitor were to use your exact name, are you ready and willing to legally enforce your legal trademark? Now, this assumes that you have it, okay? So we're kind of jumping a little bit forward, but assuming that you have this trademark and it is yours, you own the legal right to the name to identify and distinguish your brand in the marketplace, if somebody else started using it, would you make them stop? And if you said, oh, well, I don't really want to be mean and eh, it kind of depends on what they're doing and, well, if it's not so bad, then it, man, I don't know. Any of those responses, I would caution you and I would firmly tell you, no, you are not ready for formal legal protection. When you get formal legal protection on your name in the form of a registered trademark, you have to enforce, all right? Now, this can be something as simple as sending a cease and desist, which means stop what you're doing right now. Don't use my name anymore. And it can be as much as a lawsuit, all right? There's varying degrees, but the common denominator is you have to enforce it. You have to go after everyone. It doesn't matter if you love them more than anything. You There are no exceptions. You have to treat it with consistent legal reactions, responses is a better word, because prepared people respond and unprepared tend to react. You're going to be a responder. So you have to say, yes, I I am absolutely, if I get this trademark, I am ready and willing and able, kind of like what they ask us when we board a plane and we're sitting on the exit rows, are you ready, willing, and able to open the store in an emergency? If you can answer yes, then we would move forward. And what I would tell you at this point is you are ready to start seriously investigating formal trademark registration. All right. Now, again, there is a beautiful flow chart, I do say so myself, that you can get. It's at lashinglegally.com. Get the masterclass. This is part of a bonus if you're a visual person. And the reason that it is so important to go through these decision trees is that's what happens because there's different points that if someone, if I was talking to someone and they're like, oh, well, I don't know if it's the final version. Like sometimes I call myself this and sometimes I do this and I'm not really sure. Maybe it's even this whole other thing. That means you're still in the discovery phase. That's a great phase to be in, but that discovery phase does not go into formal legal trademark registration. And the reason for that is, as you'll see as we keep talking on this episode, uh, it's a long, it's a long process. It can be expensive and it's long term. Remember, we have to be ready, willing, and able to protect this name that we're doing. And the reason that this all matters. So you've gone through, you've thought about it, you're like, yes, I need to protect my name. It's really important to understand why it matters, all right? And the reason that it matters is if there are multiple people using the same name, then we end up in very often 
uh, expensive legal battles to try and claw back the name to the original owner. All right. There is a concept and it's called first in time, meaning the first person to use a name. However, in this digital age and in the variety of marketplaces, you then have to argue about that. And for you to argue, it means you have to have an attorney to argue for you. And attorneys, especially in the intellectual property realm, they're very often $300 an hour or more. So you're looking at very expensive arguments where counter, (laughs) I'm a huge proactive, let's prevent these issues. If we are following S4 branding, we're keeping our mouths shut. We know that we've searched. Yes, it's the name we want. We know this part, securing. Yes, I need to protect what I'm doing. Doing that then means you're avoiding, you're mitigating some of these other circumstances. So that is why it matters. It will matter also for those of you that want to franchise, you want to license, you want to develop product lines, you intend on selling your business. Well, one of the biggest assets that you have to have is a legally protected trademark. You will stop franchising and licensing in its tracks if done appropriately if you don't have the formal um, trademark registration. So that's why it's really important. And it's really important to know when it is the right time for you because it's different for everybody. You're at a different stage. There's different people involved. And that's where just working through that very simple five-question decision tree will help you reach the right answer that is right for you. Now, let's say you are at the point and you say, yep, I know it's the right time. I know why that it matters. Now, how am I actually going to pull this off? All right. And this is, uh, again, if you want to download the timeline, I have a timeline written out for you on a trademark. On average, expect it to be about a year and a half. Some may go much quicker. Some may take longer. One of my own personal trademarks soared through in eight months from start to finish because I had a fanciful, okay, we're going to get to that in just a second, Um, but I had made up my name. And so there was no way that my name could get challenged in the process because I made it up. Nobody else had it. So nobody else could cause me any trouble. So it can go quickly, but even it quickly, it was eight months long. So uh, does take some time. Now, the timeline portion, and I am going to give you the specifics for the U.S. market. And again, keep in mind, when you're doing trademarks, they are country specific because they are marketplace specific. The U.S. has a trademark database. EU countries have databases. Australia has a database. Canada has a database. Wherever you're selling, you do have to register in those markets. So I'm going to give you the U.S. Uh, trademark office timeline as an example. And basically, if you can get your trademark through in the U.S. market, the other markets tend to be a little bit um, easier to handle. So when you have gone through the steps of 
well, that we've just talked about. Then what you're going to do is you go, you or your attorney, and here I really recommend work with somebody you know, like, and trust. It will save you so much time, it, which means it saves you money, and someone that will tell you the truth. All right. Now, a few years ago, I moved from filing trademark applications to this end of the equation at the front end, working with people on the branding going into a trademark to either make it easy to sail right through or to find ways that they really would never need a trademark. So as you're going through it, Please use somebody you know, like, and trust. This is not a process. Uh, I wouldn't put my own volume lashes on, and I wouldn't recommend you filing your own trademark application. So when you're ready, you go to, it's a, a government website, it's USPTO.gov, and you start the application process. You fill out your application, you give them samples of what the mark look of what the name is going to be. You answer their questions, telling them, you know, where where are you putting this brand? Because there's 45 different classes of products and services. So you may right now be securing the brand name and you're working on just your lash business. But in a few years, maybe you expand into a product line. You would just add those additional classes of goods to your trademark. So that is how that part works. When the USPTO or the government entity receives your application, they will let you know and they will say, we have it. You can expect to hear from us. Now, on average, expect three to six months. Okay, this this email is not coming through anytime soon. <laughs> uh, not at all. And what you'll also find is that suddenly you start getting all kinds of emails. They look official. They are complete scams, all right? The USPTO.gov will send you very blank, very non-graphic emails emails, and they will always take you to that site. So this is another instance where working with a professional who knows, yep, that's a scam email, and this is the one I need to pay attention to, comes in very, very handy. Now, when you hear back from them, it will be the uh, examining attorney that's assigned to your application. And what they will do is it, the, they will either say, it was great. We have no issues for it. And we're going to keep moving you forward. Or they will give you um, a question, a concern, and you will need to reply to them in an office action. Now, an office action is a specific legal document. Again, this is where having the professional comes in handy because you probably have never written an office action. Similarly, I have never put lashes on anyone. <laughs> I couldn't. You are beyond talented in that regard compared to myself. And this office action where you're replying, you have six months to issue the reply, and then that will go back and forth. And depending on what their concern is, determines how many times you go back and forth. It's kind of like a ping pong game. And this is another reason why I'm so focused on silence as step one, searching as step two, 
Because if you skip searching and you submit a very noisy name, then you're going to likely going to get an office action that says, sorry, it's likely to confuse. Sorry, somebody else is using this. And you will have wasted all that time and all that money. So the office action is a game of ping pong. And depending on what the issue is, depends on how many times the ball goes back and forth. Now, when the examining attorney is happy with, yep, we're all good, uh, then they you will receive another email that says the mark has been approved and it's going for publication in the official gazette. Now, here, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Do not go blasting this on Instagram at this point. Don't share it on a podcast. Don't put it out on YouTube. The mark is not yours. It's very close, but it's not there yet. So please don't draw any attention to yourself at this point. The official gazette goes out to all trademark owners, every single last one of the probably millions at this point that own it. And it is their time to challenge the mark, meaning it gets published in the official gazette. They have 30 days. Okay, so they only have a month where they can raise a concern, but they can challenge your application. They can um, contact the trademark organization and say, nope, sorry, I don't think you, this mark should be approved, even though the examining attorney has said, yep, it cleared our uh, checks and balances. But the ad additional mark owner can say, nope, sorry, uh, this can't be published. Again, another good reason, use somebody you know, like, and trust because you are going to have to counteract that. And that, again, will start another ping pong game of going back and forth trying to move you forward to this brand name. This is why when we were going through the um, decision tree on are you ready to move forward and you said, yep, I am willing to tattoo this name on my forehead because you need the stamina to keep showing up and to keep engaging with this because more than likely this is going to feel probably draining on you. You're not likely gaining a lot of positive energy from this. The attorneys do, which is why they're attorneys and that's their profession. Just like you probably get really excited and smile when you're lashing and doing that kind of work. That is why you have to know why it's important to do it and that the mark is super important to you. Now, if nobody challenges your mark, then it will go to official publication. You will get a certificate in the mail. It will You will then be able to use the Circle R. Now, until you have the paper that says the Circle R behind your name is yours, please, 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 please use silence to your advantage. Do not say anything because you just don't want to draw any attention to it until it's yours. That's why in step four of S4 branding is the share part. Once secure is complete, then we can talk about it. Now, there's one final piece when we're talking about the when, and this will complement the timeline portion of the discussion. And it's because depending on the classification 
of the type of name that you're trying to get official protection for. Some are easy and some are very difficult and some are completely impossible, meaning they will never be approved. Now, we're going to start with the strongest ones and we're going to go to the weakest ones. So at the top, the strongest names, Spanx, Kodak, Xerox. Now, Sarah Blakely totally made up the word Spanx. And the reason that the made-up names work so well is because they fall into what's called fanciful and unique. And you may have guessed this. These are my favorite names because you create the story behind the brand and they are by far the easiest to get protection for and the easiest to police once you have them. Love fanciful names. Does not mean other names won't work. It just means you have a little bit less of a hurdle to jump over. Now, the next category of names is arbitrary. Apple computers. So this is also one of the stronger names because it has different meanings. Means one thing, which is a fruit. If we said, you know, if I asked my son what's an apple, he would describe fruit, tree, red, green, yellow, eat it, skin, you know, maybe go apple picking with his, you know, school field trip. But it also means computers, all right? But the name has nothing to do with the product or the service. Apple computers has, it is not suggestive in any way, shape, or form, and it has nothing to do with the fruit. So arbitrary is the next strongest category of name. After arbitrary, that word suggestive is what comes into play and distinguishes these two categories. So Jaguar car, all right? Now, this is still one of the three stronger identifiers because it can mean a fast cat running through, you know, the backyard of Africa, but when it is used with a car, it is suggestive that the car has the same traits as the cat in the wild, all right? So fast, sleek, um, not incredibly common. Those would be words that if I was describing the physical animal, I, those words could be also used to describe the car. They are suggestive of the traits that the brand wants you thinking about. Completely different than an apple and an apple computer. The words I use to describe an apple, the fruit, are not the same words that I use to describe the computer. Now, those are the three strong categories. Spanx, fanciful, which is make it up. Apple, arbitrary, nothing to do with each other. And Jaguar, suggestive, Common words would describe both of the um, the original item and then the brand that it is being used by. Now the weaker categories. And these are truly um, often the go-to from a marketing standpoint. And if you are not careful, will cause you so many business and legal migraines um, if you don't properly navigate them because they describe what you're doing and they are generic both of which are, in the very best case scenario, incredibly expensive to protect, and sometimes you can't even protect them. 
And when you're talking about a descriptive name and it's not suggestive and it's not arbitrary, then the trademark organization that you're going through is going to say, eh, sorry, denied. It's just merely descriptive. You need something that identifies and distinguishes your brand in the marketplace. And that's why we'll always come back to those, um, the key definition of a trademark. So that I hope has given you a mini, 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 mini law school lesson um, on trademarks and branding when it comes to knowing when you need to do your um, formal legal registration. And the bonus trademark guide, go to lashinglegally.com, get the masterclass. It is available as a bonus in regards to that. And then you can use the flowcharts. You can check off where you are in your journey. And if you have any questions, feel free. I enjoy answering all of your questions, especially when it comes to trademarks and branding. Now, I'm not your lawyer, so please always do your research, talk to your attorney, and get the specific guidance based on your facts and circumstances. I want to educate you about the legal implications of your business decisions because every business decision has a legal impact and we want them to be positive. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. There is a full-length legal masterclass available on demand at lashinglegally.com. Until next week, where we'll dive into another topic directly related to helping you navigate the legal issues in your lash business so you can protect what you are working so hard to build.